Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from the What Fresh Hell podcast. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking to psychotherapist and food blogger Callista Watson. Guys, Callista is uh, someone I used to know in real life person out in LA. She is a very enthusiastic home cook, a food blogger, and a licensed clinical social worker. She's going to work with us on our minds and our food all at the same time. So at the end of this fresh take, you will be mentally healthy and you will be a James Beard award-winning chef. <laughs> what more can we offer you on the What Fresh Hell podcast? Wow. Callista, is that a fair <laughs> assumption of what we're here to do today? Oh, God. You know what? I wish one day from your mouth to the universe's ears that I could be a James Beard award winning cool person. And therefore, I can impart that esteemed joy onto all who listen to me. So I can. <laughs> Amy and the audience knows that my coronavirus quarantine obsession is Top Chef. And so that's always the thing that they say about people. They're like, and James Beard award winning chef. So I know nothing about being a chef, but I do get the sense that that's supposed to be some kind of good thing. Yes. And you know, just to clarify, a chef is actually someone who's gone to school and trained and actually has the credential, which I don't. I'm just a home cook. Uh, I see. So I just want to make that distinction that, you know, chefs actually go through the training, go to school, they do their thing. And I highly respect that. Home cooks are fantastic also, but I don't ever want to put it out there that I'm a chef and I'm not. There's, there's just a distinction. Got it. You're an enthusiastic home cook, as you say in your bio. You betcha. I'm here to learn about the enthusiastic home cook part, because just about everybody listening is a home cook. If we weren't before, we are now, right? 2020 has... Oh, ain't that the truth. But I don't love it. I'd like to love it. Yeah. So I think that's right. The divide is in the enthusiasm. So tell us a little bit about your journey into becoming an enthusiastic home cook. Well, as a kid, I grew up in a household of eight other kiddos. Well, a total of eight that my mother gave birth to. Wow. God bless her. Eight kids. Yes. And one thing I realized was that, hey, in the kitchen, like I could just, nobody really wanted to be in the kitchen. So I could just have my own zone and do what I wanted. And things were cool. Things were great. And I was like, oh, this is it. I'm going to keep going with this. And so of the eight siblings, are you the one who cooks? I am. There's a few other that do cook. 
And, you know, there's some argument as to who is the best cook. So, you know, it just, we go toe to toe. I have a little brother that just started a barbecue business in LA. And I have a sister that's really good with cooking a lot of Mexican and Central American food and soul food. So we have our things, but I think I'm the one who takes the most joy out of it. And we know, because we can hear your little Baba there in the background, that you also have a child, a four-year-old. Yes. And is he in the picky eating phase? Slightly. I shouldn't put that on him, actually. Amy would tell me (laughs) that's a bad thing to do, right, Amy? I'm not supposed to do that. Well, I mean, you and I each have a picky eater, but it's bad to say, oh, they're one of those. Right. To label your kid a picky eater is to force that issue. But I mean, most toddlers have strong food preferences, I would say, Calista, does yours? Yes, he does have some strong food preferences. And in addition to that, he's got 21 anaphylactic foods that he is, that he reacts to, that are anaphylactic to his system. Allergies. Allergies, yes. So, and there are things that he wants to reach for that don't agree with his body at this time. So, yeah, there are a few things he does not like and doesn't prefer to eat. And then there are things that he cannot eat. Wow. So we have that going on and that's forced me to be creative, to be a one heck of a planner in the kitchen, which has really saved me just in general, as I'm a a single mom. And, you know, we got COVID going on, we've got all of these things to consider in balancing things out. So I've had to be very creative to accommodate him. And I still want to eat the things that I love. Like he's highly allergic to coconut and cashews, but bet your bottom dollar, mama likes coconut and cashews and she's going to have it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is really one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you because I have this image. Now here comes an oldie locks alert, but back in my day, do you remember Amy or Callista, a movie, and Catherine Zeta-Jones played like a very high-end chef who somehow ends up with a baby? No. No. You fever dreamed that. Okay, I think I'm the only person who ever saw this movie, and possibly I just had a dream where this happened. But for some reason, I think about that all the time, because I feel like right before I had kids, I kind of was finding some joy in cooking. What I never cooked. When I was single and living in L.A., I never cooked. I would get like, you know, delicious street food every day and I would make a peanut butter toast or the best I ever did was like boil those like raviolis you get at the store that are yummy, you know, basically never cooked. (laughs) Then I got married and I got a bunch of cookware and I was kind of making jokes like I'm going to put the McDonald's like in the pot first and warm it up like this is I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And I for the first year I was married, kind of fell a little bit in love with cooking, basically food blogs and trying stuff out. But then I had kids and they kind of ruined the joy of cooking for me because (laughs) I like making, yeah, like I find this Moroccan stew and I go buy the spices and I I take four hours to make it and it tastes delicious. And so I've lost, number one, the time to enjoy cooking. And number two, I don't want to cook something for four hours and then have three people tell me it looks gross and refuse to eat it. Yes. (laughs) Seconded. Well... (laughs) I hear you. So what about that? Like, what is your journey like? Since we've never seen the Catherine Zeta-Jones movie, let's imagine you're the star of that movie. Oh, I have it, by the way. I have it here. It's uh, No Reservations from 2007. Oh, okay. She, a recipe for disaster may be in the works when Zeta-Jones becomes the guardian of her young niece while crossing forks with the brash sous chef. 
I love it. Ah, see, I didn't imagine. I will say, I don't think I ever saw the movie. I think I just remember the preview and being like, yeah, that would be weird if you were a huge chef and then had to cook for little kids. So Callista, where are you in that journey? So allergies are a whole part of that story, but also like, have you adjusted your cooking or do you cook separately for yourself and your son? How do you handle that? Well, yes and no. So first of all, I just want to address your scenario of your Moroccan stew, you know, cooking something that's four hours and then everybody's going to go, ick. I have a few hacks for you. Okay. I'll take all of them. So number one, obviously planning, right? And if you've got a four-hour Moroccan stew, girl, get yourself an Instant Pot, first of all, right? (laughs) I just, I got an Instant Pot for Christmas and I'm trying it, but I'm scared of it. I'm afraid it's going to blow me up, but it won't. Don't be scared. There are a ton of not only Instant Pot cookbooks for everything you can imagine, you know, Indian butter, chicken, Moroccan stews, vegan stews. Oh, you're speaking my language right now. Yes. So there are a ton of great cookbooks out there. There are a ton of great food blogs out there that specialize in Instant Pots and most stew recipes and soup recipes. People are putting a slow cooker option But more so now, they're doing an Instant Pot Mm. option. So first of all, that cuts it down, number one. Number two, I highly recommend getting the kids engaged in your cooking because it mesmerizes them. So even if it's something like, hey, honey, how about you wash the carrots? Okay, you rub the kale, you know, whatever things that kids can do. Obviously, you're going to, you know, look at your kids and their age and have them doing things, you know, age appropriate. You're not going to have them chopping onions at the age of two. But once they touch it and you attach a story to it, they have buy in. Oh, these are the carrots that we put in the Moroccan stew in the Instant Pot. Right. You wash them, honey. They got beta carotene. They're going to help your vision when you're 80. You're still going to be able to see because you ate carrots on a Tuesday. Night. It brings it to life them. It's no longer some soupy stuff that mommy put together, but they had buy-in because they touched it. They were a part of it. It never occurred to me. I want to say this is the kind of advice that I am resistant to in my cells because it feels like, I think for me, the identity of cooking is like putting on music I love and alone time. Mm. And so the idea of bringing my children into it is like, Callista, you're ruining my life. How dare you? <laughs> I think this is actually really good advice that I have to lean into. And one of the things we say on the podcast all the time is you do it because it makes your life actually easier, not because someone told you it was good advice. And this is a thing that I find myself at dinner often saying, like my kids will eat a cream of chicken soup and they'll eat pancakes. But if I make crepes with like a creamy chicken filling, they're like, this is gross. And I'm like, you know, all of these ingredients, it's all the same food you're already eating. Like you can't tell me you don't like this. You eat it in another exact form. (laughs) And I think even having them like do their homework in the kitchen while I was cooking and narrating kind of what's going into stuff. Cause my kids are 12 10 and 9, Amy, is that right? Help me out. (laughs) Something like that. But I think having them in the process would, it would help that thing of like, I'm presenting you with a bowl of weird. It's like, no, you saw everything that went into this. I think that's legit advice. Yes. It's like you saw what made this brown because we put cumin in there. We put a little bit of cinnamon. You know, we made a little gravy first, whatever it is. It's like, you know why this is what it is because you were part of it. 
it never occurred to me what you were saying about the tactile part. I mean, I understood that like they help and then they're excited they'll eat it, but it never occurred to me that they're actually engaging with the foodstuffs and touching them. And that's what makes them more willing to taste them. It's so obvious. Yes. And, you know, you can take it a step further and think about some gardening. Now, everyone does not have the space to create a garden. Everyone's living in different living conditions, right? However, sometimes you have space for a little pot and maybe it's just, you know, you've picked up the little potted basil from Trader Joe's for $3.99 and that's the one thing you have space for. So, you know, we're going to water this. Hey, this basil is going to go in our salad or it's going to be in a garnish. Hey, you water the basil, you grew it. I was lucky enough to you know, grow up with a garden. My mother is not a cook, but she has one hell of a green thumb. And I didn't realize until I was an adult that she used the garden to keep us busy and to also teach us. And I will never forget, you know, we had the hangout house on the block. So we'd grown corn, okay? And she was telling us that the minute you pick a vegetable, it starts losing its nutrients. And so she's like, so look, we're about to harvest this corn. We literally set up an assembly line from the corn stalks in the backyard all the way into the house with two big pots of boiling water. And I just remember us taking it so seriously. It was a relay race. We had neighborhood kids, cousins, and then all the kids in the household. And one person would pick the corn. We were stocking it, pulling off the corn silk and rushing it into the house to boil it for a few minutes. And we'd eat it right away you know, because we don't want the nutrients to die. Now, obviously, as an adult, I realize we were taking it way too seriously, you know, but it was a lesson. And even as an adult, I do appreciate now the fact that, you know, once you do pick a vegetable, it starts losing its nutrients. Hence, we want fresh vegetables. But as a kid, I was so involved in the seriousness of growing, picking this corn, cooking it, you know, just a few minutes to enhance the sweetness. We put butter, salt and pepper and the kids were happy. And according to your bio, you grew up in Los Angeles. So where was this happening exactly? It was in South Central LA. <laughs> That's what I was like, wait a minute. I think people are picturing you like on a farm. You're not on a farm. And you know what? You can be a city girl and have one hell of a garden. You know, South Central LA, I grew up a block from USC off of the corner of uh, Jefferson and Vermont. And my mom had a garden in the backyard going that would rival anyone's. And this was before the whole, you know, farm to fork movement. This was back, you know, I was a child of the 80s. Right. Your mom was not a hipster, to be clear. She was doing <laughs> this for reals. She was not a hipster. She was an OG crunchy person. It was amazing. Sunflowers. We had sunflower seeds, cabbage, zucchini, everything. And I was not into it as a kid. I thought it was just like, oh, God, the garden. And but now as an adult, the more I get into cooking, I'm just like, damn, I want a garden. I think what I love about that is that one of the things that I think is just so important, and it's something I've struggled with, is that there's a lot of things that I think that we don't really control about our kids. And we talk a lot about this and how we, we don't really control. And one of the big things we don't control is what they put in their mouths. And that can be a real source of frustration for us. But I think one of the things we do have some control over is creating mm. meal memories and food memories. And that is a place to really put our focus because I don't really remember. I was a picky eater as a child, but 
I remember memories of like we had a fancy table and a kitchen table, you know, and we ate at the kitchen table most times. But then when it was a special day, we ate at the fancy table. Nice. And I remember like being charged as a kid with carrying the fancy plates. And that was always like such a big deal if I got to carry the fancy plates. And Mm. I think that sometimes we get stuck on this idea of like my kid only had three peas and I think he was supposed to have 12 and that that's not really where our role as parents lives. And we're not all going to create an, I mean, basically your childhood sounds like a magical fairy tale. Like we're not all going to create an amazing garden where all the neighbors are running and bringing fresh corn and eating it joyfully. Like, right. But I think what you remember about that memory beyond the food is the joy of being together, creating food. Absolutely. And I just want to, you know, clarify that that was my experience, but by all means, take your kid to the grocery store. Now, obviously, you know, that's not possible right now because, you know, we're still in the times of COVID right now, but some people do take their kids to the grocery store because they have to. Sometimes I do. I get delivery when I can, but looking at the source of food in whatever form you get it and engaging them, you know, whether you're at a farmer's market, supermarket, even I go with my kid online. I, you know, when we're ordering from Instacart, I'm like, dude, do you want organic blackberry. So he's seeing that we're getting an order. Someone's going to deliver it. He's involved in the process and that's where it is right now. You did bring up a very good point that I think is critical for everyone to remember, you know, food memories, making memories. Mm -hmm. As a parent with everything, you never know when you're making a memory. I just want to emphasize that you never know when you're making a memory, right? An incident, a day, a moment, you might forget it and your kid will remember it. I know there are things I remember that my parents don't. Surrounding food, these are full people. Kids are full people, right? And if we are saying, eat your peas or, you know, you're not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z, that only, using food as a punishment or a reward It is not a healthy thing. Food should be offered and these human beings will have their opinions on whether they like something or not. And if we force them to sit at the table for two hours because they haven't eaten all 12 peas, well, guess what? They're not going to like peas. I think it can be hard to accept as a parent, hey, little Johnny just doesn't like peas. And sometimes for some kids, you have to offer it to them a hundred times before they're like, oh, you know, peas aren't so bad. Well, that's the rub, right? It isn't like you have to keep offering. And that's where it gets hard is I have to keep making the butter chicken that they're going to say is gross. They, ha- You can't, you know, I learned the hard way with my picky eater that we started to sort of crunch down what we were feeding all of our kids to the sort of five or six foods that I knew would work. But in order to end that, you got to keep presenting the peas and then be okay with them eating them or not eating them, but you have to make them anyway. Right. And then there's alternatives. Okay. Well, maybe, you know, this kid will like broccoli or what if I put a little something on the peas to see, Hey, do you want a little bit of, you know, cheese sauce or some smoked paprika or butter? Like what would make this more exciting for you? And maybe it's just okay that they don't like peas. I don't like peas. And I want to say it's completely, completely okay. Yes. We're going to take a break and we'll be back with more with Callista. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. 
Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L U M E N dot M E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. So we're back talking to Callista Watson. She is a social worker, therapist, and food blogger at epicureantherapy.com, where she shares recipes and creates awareness of the connection between food and our mental and emotional health. And that's what we want to talk about, Callista, with you. You have sort of a unique perspective on the connection between food and mental health. Yes. My whole goal in you know, creating my food blog was not only to share recipes, but also to create greater awareness about that connection. As we've all heard, you know, food can totally is medicine, can be used as medicine. And I feel that in a lot of Western thought and societies, sometimes that's overlooked. And literally looking at the nutritional benefits of eating certain foods is not only in benefit just our bodies, you know, of course our brain's a part of our body, but literally have an impact on our brain chemistry, right? Sugar, flour, leafy green, just various things. You know, food can actually be, you know, used as kind of a prescription. There's a lot more research currently going into the connection between food and mood and mental health, you know, and lots of science that supports the fact that foods affect our brain function and our body function. And that shouldn't be overlooked. Can you tell us an example? Because I can think of like sugar, flour, those being complicating factors. I have a kid with migraines and trying gluten-free and, you know, restricted diets is definitely helpful for kids like that. But yes. is there an example of a food that adding to a diet helps? Yes. So like whole grains are really wonderful for depression. Really? Yes. Now, obviously, 
you do want to consult with the doctor for, you know, you don't want to say, hey, I'm going to not take my meds. Right. We're not saying we can cure you (laughs) with a loaf of bread at all. Exactly. But, you know, adding a little oatmeal to your diet can really help uh, lift your mood. Leafy greens are the bomb all the way around for being healthy brain food that support our systems. Obviously, this is what we hear in so many other realms to, you know, how to support our bodies physically, but your body loves leafy greens. Your brain loves leafy greens as well as fish with the omegas in it, salmon. And what's really interesting is a lot of what we've learned about, you know, things that support us on a cellular level, physically, just, you know, we're thinking about muscles, our waist size, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They also support our brain and our brain function. So that's just in terms of what's generally available. Also, speaking of adding things to your diet, things like chamomile can really help with uh, chamomile and cherries are really great with being very calming and, you know, balancing out anxiety. A lot of this bits and pieces and nuggets are kind of readily available. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. People take chamomile to sort of chill out and mellow out, you know, and go to sleep at night. Great. Yeah. No wonder it's also useful for reducing stress and and things of that nature. I think this passes for us. We have something on the podcast called the thousand year rule. So it's like, are people say like, do I need this like moon bouncer thing to keep, get my baby to sleep? And it costs $2,500 and it is only available in this one catalog. I don't think that passes the thousand year rule. Like if something has been being done for a thousand years, it's a pretty good sign that it works. (laughs) And a lot of the food stuff is that way that like chamomile tea has been used for centuries as a relaxing agent and helping people. And I think, tell me if I'm wrong, my reaction is now we're talking about adults. Like my kid is not eating fish and leafy greens and I wish they were, but they're not. Right. And you can find other alternatives that your kid likes that they're willing to eat and also hiding your leafy greens and other vegetables. For example, I put cauliflower in my son's oatmeal. And he's none the wiser for it, you know? Things that taste similar that you can kind of mask and they'll never know is is a great thing. And I also use, I put stories around things to help them try different things. For example, high fiber is really good for your gut. The health of your gut does have a connection to the health of your brain. But in getting my son to eat more fiber, I told him that they're little goblin fingers because they're just really (laughs) ugly little pieces, you know, of fiber. And he even said, yeah, mom, or they're like French fries. So he has that with his oat milk in the morning. And, you know, the story connected to it gives him access and the will to eat it. I think what's really true and that this is thematic about what we're saying is involving these kids in this conversation is a very helpful step. And I know for me, I was a picky eater. I wasn't great about keeping my kids, you know, eating the rainbow. You know, I see these Pinterest pages where like three-year-olds are eating, you know, these fruit sticks. And I'm like, oh, my kid would not have gone for that. But I will say, because I think we have a lot of people with really you know, four, five, six, seven-year-olds who maybe are not like, mom, what I'm dying to have for dinner is fish and leafy greens, that this is something that has gotten 
easier as my kids are gotten older. They've expanded their palates. We were recently at a little gathering in the before times and mom had a garden and the kids were trying the really hot peppers and it became like a contest between the boys, like who could eat the hottest pepper and that we laid out all these peppers. And I don't know, the weird ways they fall into eating things they would have never experienced before has been nice for me to see. And my kid who would never have considered a leafy green is now... Like, oh, sometimes I go to the salad bar at school. I don't know. They find their way to some of this stuff, but I think always giving voice to like, and you don't have to get into the nitty gritty of like, this omega acid gives you this kind of mineral. Like you just, I think talking about food as fuel is something we return to and is important. Right. And you know what? You know, all of us, you know, that's generally speaking, right? Wouldn't think twice about explaining to our kid why it's not nice to hit others, for example. But if we take eating your broccoli as an example, how many people would sit down and have a conversation about why and the nutrients involved and how this helps our bodies? How many of us would really take the time to break that down when most of us have been programmed in the old school way, like eat it because you got to finish it. You got to do it. You got to eat your, it's going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. If you don't eat this, then no TV versus really breaking it down. But we'll break down other things, typically. We'll tell the stories around other things about, you know, how completing your homework is going to help you in your future. You know, why working nice with others? I think we need to have the same conversations around food, around our bodies, all of these things. You know, there's so many conversations. I've never heard that point made before, and it's super on point. Well, thank you. Can we talk about what happens so your son has many allergies. He said 12 different things he's allergic to, substances? Like 21 that we know of. Wow. And I'm sure that's been a long process to sort of specify what those were. Yes. So what I want to ask is that his relationship to food in your home can be one thing. And in the larger world, I imagine, is more complicated when it's time for trick-or-treating or somebody's birthday in the classroom at school or just going to somebody's house. How do you approach that as a mom of a kid with allergies? And how do you sort of push back against the food disappointments that come from being a kid with a restricted diet? Awesome question. So first of all, I don't make it a thing. Okay. It's a thing, but I don't make it a thing. He literally just asked what an EpiPen was as I was leaving him with my brother the other day because I slide it back and forth kind of unbeknownst to him. I just said, oh, it's emergency medicine, but I don't make it a thing, right? Very early on, I started explaining to him the things he's allergic to. And so he can sort of repeat them kind of like a mantra so that he knows how to protect himself, number one. But I make it light and fluffy. Okay, so he doesn't think it's a bad thing. He just thinks, oh, these are things I can't have right now. And all the whys, you know, I can stop breathing. I can get a rash, all these things, right? So I don't make it a thing, number one. So mentally, he does not have a fear around these things, but a healthy discernment. So that's step one. Right, because when you say make it a thing, like you make it a reality, but not a thing, right? Like you make it a reality in his life, but you don't scare him to death. Not a scary reality. Correct. And that's what I mean by making it a thing where there's tension and fear around having these items. Now, some people can argue, oh, that'll be healthy fear, but I don't want him to be so freaked out that he can't make the right decisions around food or react properly and just say, hey, look, I had this and I shouldn't have. I just don't make it a negative thing. We'll be right back. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... 
Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's sportsresearch, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. I had a three-year-old in my house for a play date, and I knew that he had extensive allergies, but that kid at three years old was able to say, I can't have soy, egg, this. He went through them all night. He's like, yep. got it. I'm not going to give you anything, okay? Okay. Yep. And it was, yeah, and it was very matter of fact, and as you say, not heavy, but just there. Right. It's not heavy. And I feel that when you don't put children at such a young age have, when they feel stressed out, oftentimes they shut down and they can't articulate and go into their, you know, emoting physically versus being able to articulate things. So I've just been very careful around that. And then when I go out into the world, I'm always prepared. I keep things in my trunk. We roll with snacks wherever we go. When we go to a birthday, I let the parents know, look, my kid's allergic. So not only do I bring food that he can eat, so I'm packing a lunch for him for the birthday so he can have, you know, whatever food. I don't make it anybody else's responsibility. It's on mine. I don't say, are you going to have this there? We roll regardless with what he needs. Okay. It's something sweet that he can have along with the other kids. And it's something he can share. I do let the parents know that this is what I need to do for my son. They're always like, oh, yes, yes, yes. That's great. You know, blah, blah, blah. And what ends up happening every time is he's the cool kid because he's passing out JoJo's. And often I've seen the kids take the cookies and dip it in their cake as well. He gets to pass them out. He has no desire for the cake. And he's just sitting there eating cookies while everybody else is eating cookies and cake. And this is what we do. This is how we roll. And 
we make no bones about it. In addition, there are cakes that I make him on his birthday that don't have his allergens in it. So he gets cake often. Am I going to bake a separate cake every time? We go to a party. So it's like, oh, you know, little Tommy's cake is here. And Johan, my son, you have your own stuff. No, it's not your birthday. You're not getting a whole separate cake. And he understands and is comfortable with the fact that you cannot have everything. And that's the way it is. And I don't want him to think that he can have everything in every situation. I don't want anybody running and hiding the nuts when they're around him because he might feel some kind of way. No, the real world is that these allergens are out there. And guess what? You can't have everything. That's just a part of life. And he gets that. And he's so far so good. And I think returning to our theme, the food memories that he's creating is I have fun because at the party, there's always a minute where I get to show that I have something special for everybody. His food memory is not... I'm sitting left out and feeling, you know, scared because I'm at a birthday party. Correct. And, you know, you've got a very unique and challenging situation that you're dealing with. Sounds like extremely well in challenging circumstances. But I think there's a takeaway for everyone there, which is facilitating your kids to just have good food memories. And this is, you know, we did a picky eater episode. I think, Amy, wasn't our first ever episode? It was. And I think that this is something that we didn't really get into. And it's coming as kind of a revelation to me that I, I think, stress so much around whether or not my kids were eating correctly and whether or not, you know, my relatives would be impressed by what good eaters they were and focusing too much on that. And that, as I've gotten older and my kids have gotten older, first of all, some of this has worked out on its own. But second of all, I have concentrated more on like, what is the experience of this meal? Is the experience of this meal me yelling and you crying and it's all about peas? Or is the experience of this meal you doing silly Fortnite dances with your brother and then sitting back down and taking a couple of bites? You know, not every meal, but I think that the 35,000 foot view on how is this going in terms of how we all relate to food is very worthwhile in a way that I didn't think about quite this way before we had this conversation. Can you tell us a little bit about Epicurean therapy? Yeah. Calista, like, what's your take on the blog? Why would people come to your blog? Well, I think first and foremost, I try to have a lot of fun. (laughs) First of all, a lot of my activity recently has been on Instagram at Epicurean Therapy is the handle there. And I do a live cooking show each week where I'm doing a seasonal recipe and an accompanying drink. And it's a very interactive exchange and experience. And I do throw in some wellness and mental health tips here and there, which I'll be doing more and more. And I think that I present the opportunity for people to pursue pleasure as it pleasure and comfort as it pertains to what we put in our bodies and how we get it there, right? So the experience of food preparation for me, which is a very meditative process, so much can be intentional about that, not only in creating experiences with your food, with your children around preparation of food, but also with your friends, your special someones. I think that, you know, pleasure is something we should be intentional about creating in our lives. And for me, 
that has naturally come in food preparation. As you mentioned earlier, a lot of us have no choice right now because of where we are in the world to make some more meals at home because we can't always order out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But creating ritual and ease and positivity around food preparation can be a really fun thing and a way to take the chore out of it. And that's what I try to do during my live shows, what I'll be doing more of with my blog posts. But I really feel that I come across (laughs) in this fashion. I think it's easier to lift things off of a page and to impart information vocally and in person, hence why I find so much value. And so do the people in my community find a lot of value in my live shows each week, which are Wednesdays at 6 p.m. currently, and I will be adding more. But people are able to ask questions. We talk about new vegetables and different hacks to cooking and planning in the kitchen and creating fun and atmosphere while doing it. Guys, it is a really awesome space. Find Callista on Instagram because I'm telling you, I'm a horrible, horrible, horrible cook and she makes me less stressed about it. And that's the best thing I could possibly say about her. That's awesome. I'm ready to make cooking more fun. I think you should. Callista, thanks so much for joining us today. We really enjoyed talking to you and we will uh, be seeing you on Instagram. Thanks, Callista. Thank you, Megan Amy. I really appreciate being included. Thank you so much. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends at Mindful Mama. We know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.